There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to The Trader, a traitor's podcast. My name is Matthew and I'm a writer working in TV development and I am a 100% faithful. Promise. The Trader is a deep dive into every episode of the hit TV competition series The Traitors. And this is season three of the podcast dedicated to The Traitors Australia. Today we've reached the halfway point of the series and we'll be exploring episode 6 of the show. And to help me do that, I have a brilliant returning co-host. First though, just one news item for this episode, but we'll go ahead and play the TT News music anyway. Following in the footsteps of Israel, Portugal, Greece, Hungary, Sweden, Germany and Denmark, Canada is the latest country to commission its own version of The Traitors. Or, should I say, versions. Plural. TBIVision.com reports that Canada's Bell Media has commissioned two separate versions of all three media reality format The Traitors, one English and the other French language. Both versions of the show will be produced by Quebec-based production firm Entourage and hosted by Canadian actor Karine Vanasse, who you might recognise from various TV series like Revenge, Cardinal and Pan Am. Canada is now the 20th territory to commission a version of The Traitors, which was named the fastest growing TV format according to K7 Media's Tracking the Giants report for the past year. This is both great news and challenging news for me. Great because I get more English language traitors. Not so great because I may not be able to resist podcasting about it and might therefore lose another couple of months of my life. We are now heading back down under for episode 6 of The Traitors Australia. 
let's meet my co-host for today. My guest co-host today is returning guest Stephen Ripley. Stephen is a writer who lives in Seattle. His latest play, written with his writing partner Matthew Abergel, is Queer Spirits, an anthology of queer myths, legends and sacred tales from around the world. Stephen enjoys practising yoga, qigong and dance, reading, cooking, nature walks and watching movies, hockey and theatre. His favourite streaming show this past year was Andor, closely followed by Poker Face, Heartstopper and of course, The Traitors. Stephen, you're back. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing, Matthew? I'm doing really well too, thank you. It's lovely to have someone come back again for a second time. So that means it, it mustn't have been too bad the first time. It was uh, it was a super blast, and I'm happy to be here. Greetings <laughs> from Seattle. <laughs> yes. And last time we spoke, we were discussing the Traitors UK, particularly uh, LGBT goat Angel Andrea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At yeah. what point did you come to the Traitors Australia? It was more or less at the same time as the other two shows because they all showed up on Peacock here on our streamer that's called Peacock. Uh, yes. So it was like, oh, it's the UK show. Oh, it's the US show. Oh, there's an Aussie show as well. Great. So I just watched them all. First, I watched, um, I think I watched US first, and then I watched UK, and then I watched Australia. Yeah. And one after the other in January of this year. Yes, the much I'm much like me then, pretty much the same. Um, how, without any spoilers for the rest of the season, how does it stack up against uh, the other versions for you? Um, I feel like Australia is like supersized drama. <laughs> you know, yes. it just has. It has so many like twists and turns, and we can't spoil the listeners, but things d- don't go in the end in any way, shape, or form from the way you thought they were going to go at the beginning. Yeah, it's just lots and lots of curves along the way, a lot of surprises and yeah. interesting uh, dramatic twists, which yeah. I really enjoyed. I agree, and when I when people ask me about because still, people I speak to who love TV and have watched The Traitors, some people still say, oh, there's an Australian version? What? Like, a lot of people don't know here in the UK. Um, I guess it's it's less easy to access on TV here in the UK. And mm. when I'm trying to describe it to people, I always say, you know, watch it. You have to watch it. It's so good. And I'm trying not to spoil things. But yeah, I, I, I try and say what you just said, that the I think the build up towards the end has so many unexpected moments and it's so intense. Uh, I just, I can't recommend it enough to people, which is obviously why I'm now talking about it. Yeah. It's interesting too, because as we talk about it, this gives me some more um, ways to talk about it as I'm talking about it with you, because I have a couple of friends who loved the other two traders who started to watch Australia and then stopped because it wasn't what the other two are. Yeah. They were like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't have Claudia. It, you know, whatever. Um, 
And then I, I want to tell them more to kind of lure them into <laughs> it, but I don't want to spoil it for them. So I haven't quite figured out how to talk them into watching it yet. Yeah. So that's on my list. <laughs> yeah. I've had the same experience with one or two people that they've started it and have been put off just simply by the fact that it's in a different location and slightly different setup. And so they've, They've sort of fallen away from it after one or two episodes, but yeah, I have to convince people, no, no, stick with it, stick with it, it's so good. Um, now, last time we played our podcast game, and we're going to try and play it again, Stephen, and that is The Trader Traitor. So our devious mission throughout the episode from here on in is to tell one lie to one another. A lie has to be a fabrication or a made-up fact, big or small, about the traitors or about yourself or about something else. It can't be a fake opinion. Like saying you love episode 6's gamble when actually you think it's really dumb and you loathe it. At the end of the episode, we each have to put our traitor hunting skills to the test and decide what we thought the other person's lie was. For a second time, Stephen, are you ready to lie to me? I have now, I am now ready, and I have already <laughs> thought of the lie I'm going to tell. So let's go. Excellent. In that case, let's go for it and talk about episode six of The Traitors Australia. So we begin with a recap of the previous episode. Uh, we're reminded that they won $20,000 in the huge scales challenge. And we're reminded that Marielle and Nigel turned on Angus in the banishment room. And the votes stacked up and it became a fight between Teresa and Angus. But alas, Angus is gone. Our first traitor is gone. We also found out in the last episode that there will be no murder in this episode. Instead, we've been presented with something called The Gamble, and we don't know too much about it just yet. So the episode begins properly. It's morning, and I find this the, the way this episode begins is really bizarre because... Um, Oh, first of all, I noticed that they are actually calling it Traitor's Tower. Up until this point, I didn't think they were calling it that because it's not really a tower. <laughs> but Nigel it's calls more, it Traitor's it's Tower. More like a den. I was calling it Traitor's Den. Yes. In my home. Me I mean, too. It's, it's atmospheric. It's very. It has stuffed birds and candles. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a tower. It is a tower after all, um, and. We jump straight to the traitors having already decided which three players are going to play the gamble. So they've decided that it will be Nigel, Mark and Lewis. And I just wondered, but why don't we see that decision-making process? We don't see any discussion of it. It's so weird. I mean, did that stand out to you? Yes, it did. I had, I have so many questions about why did they choose three guys? And why did they decide to include a traitor? And wouldn't the other faithfuls maybe think, oh, are one of those three a traitor? But that never comes up. So it raised so many questions that never got answered for me. Yeah, I have a, a half answer to it. It's not really an answer. I have already 
spoken to Nigel and Marielle, who are going to be on the podcast. And I asked them about this and I said, why, why don't we, you know, why is this strange, abrupt edit? Why don't we see the discussion? And neither of them could really answer me. They, they said that they talked for hours about it, as, as most contestants have said, that the discussions in Traitor's Tower last for, you know, two hours at a time and we see three minutes of it. So they wow. told me that they talked about it for a really long time. And Nigel talked me through the rationale for picking those three people, but I still mm. didn't get an answer to, and I guess they wouldn't know this maybe. I didn't, I haven't found out why that doesn't make the cut, why we don't see it as viewers. But so I, I found it quite jarring suddenly mm. jump to, oh, we, those three people have been picked, they're walking down the stairs together. Very I mean, the one, the one thing that Nigel does say in the episode is, they wanted to have a trader there because they want to keep an eye on things. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that uh, does make sense. Yeah. So we arrive then at this roulette table. Uh, Roger is waiting. Roger is giving me James Bond. I nominate Roger to be the next Bond. <laughs> Probably very unlikely. I think I mentioned in... Uh, I may have already mentioned to you that he reminds me of early Roger Moore yes. in the James Bond films, or in The Saint. You know, very, very smooth. Yeah. Yeah. And wry, wry humor. And they have the same name. So, you know, <laughs> Roger playing those, Roger. Those spelled differently. Uh, uh, oh, I, I very I don't I don't even know. Yeah, this Rogers R O D G E R. Maybe Roger Moore doesn't have a D. R O D E R. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. There we go. So uh, Roger explains that our Roger, Roger two point explains the task. He says that they can stake whatever they want from the existing prize pot, and they will play three rounds of roulette, and they basically have to pick red or black or a T, which means they will triple the money if the ball lands on the T. Now, Lewis, it becomes very obvious, Lewis is a gambler. He is up for this. He would bet it all immediately if he could. Mark, on the other hand, is absolutely not a gambler and is really panicking about the whole situation. And and yet Lewis suggests, just bet, like, bet it all, bet it all. He wants to bet it all on the first go. I don't even think he's kidding. Like I, I think he means it. I think he means it, and... For a moment, it looks like he's talked Nigel into it, too. <laughs> Nigel, yeah. who's kind of the one in the middle, he's all like, yeah, let's do it. And Mark's <laughs> yeah. just like, no. Absolutely not. So, Very hard. In, the, in the end, they, they don't bet at all. For, for round one, they bet six bars, which is the equivalent of $12,000 on black. And while we're waiting for the result, we have this sort of cut scene. We find out a little bit more about Lewis and his background. Mm -hmm. And Lewis is a spaggy. Um, and he d he describes himself in this really weird way. He Unless I misheard it, although I, I rewound it to check. Did he actually just say that? He describes himself as an Aussie dickhead, <laughs> which is yeah. really weird. Because Lewis, he seems so lovely. Yep. But then he's, he's kind of laughing when he says it. <laughs> I, he is my... He, he's my favourite player on the show. Oh. And he's... He's so charming and he, you know, you see pictures, you see video of him while he's describing himself with like a dog and a chicken in his yard. Yes. And 
Um, he goes on to say he's a risk taker and a silent assassin. <laughs> and um, he clearly has a very good sense of humor. He's yeah. just, a, he's a funny, funny fellow. And he's a gambler. Yeah. He loves it. Yeah, he's having a great time here. Uh, I, I agree. Lewis is very sweet. Um, he, he just seems like such a nice guy. But yeah, it's so so uh, competitive, so willing to risk an awful lot. Um, and I also noted down that that shot of him like feeding a dog and a chicken uh, out of the out of the same hand. Uh, that just made me love him even more. Uh, so they 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 have round one. Um, I can't even remember. Did they, why have I not written this down? Did they win round one? They did. They they won <laughs> the first round. Um, I have failed as a podcast host. I've written so many details, and the one detail I didn't write was, did they actually win the damn money? <laughs> but yes, yeah, so thank you. Thank you, Stephen. This is why I need a co-host. I need people to keep me right. Uh, so they do win round one. Okay. Yeah. And then round two, they bet the same again. Uh but this time it lands. See, I did notice this. They this time it lands on red, and they lose twelve k. So they end up back where they began. Yeah, they start. They go back where they started. Yes. Uh, and then round three, uh, Lewis again is encouraging Mark to gamble all of it. They decide oh, to go for ten bars, which is twenty thousand yeah. dollars. They bet on black. The roulette wheel spins. And or, we, or, or as Mark calls it, the spinny wheel. <laughs> the spinny wheel. Mark, well, you know no what? idea what it was called. He's so like risk adverse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't even know. Well, you know, as a good description for it, it makes sense. I, I understand spinny wheel. Absolutely. And we're left with a cliffhanger. We don't see what happens in round three of the betting. We cut to breakfast. And there are three people already there waiting. Alex, Fee, and Craig have arrived. The chat amongst them seems to be that they're suspicious of Claire, partly mm -hmm. because uh, last night in the, at the banishment, she did not vote for Angus. Although she wasn't the only person, but I guess stacked on top of other things they've noticed about Claire, this is arousing their suspicions. Um, and uh, we also cut to Marielle, talking to camera she's doing an interview she already wants to get out another traitor she got rid of angus last episode she's she's moved straight on she wants another one out she's um, pretty much licking her lips she's like okay let's do it because claire is sort of an easy target at this point yeah yeah so i think marielle's probably picked up on that that she thinks well people are probably going to start turning on Claire next, so I might as well be ahead of the curve and just go for it as well. Um, Claire knows that she's in trouble, and mm. she's still mad that Nigel and Marielle didn't let her know their plan, that they were going to vote for Angus, and she really doesn't trust them so much now. And then at breakfast, she gets upset and she's crying, Mm -hmm. And she she says to you know she's she's trying to figure out how to fix things. I guess she tells Teresa, Teresa, you're completely off my radar now. Um, why why do you think Claire was crying? I actually wasn't sure why she was crying, except at the time when I first watched it, I was like, I wonder why she's crying. Um, she seems upset about something, but that doesn't seem to be anything to be upset about. 
And then by the end of this episode, especially at the banishment table, I think when she's talking there, we'll get to it, but I think she explains it more. Yeah. Why this is sort of part of her personality. Yeah. Um, she's certainly not crying over breakfast because I would say of all three shows, Australia has the best back breakfasts. <laughs> it does look pretty good. Yeah. Look, yeah. I mean, they have scones and they have fresh fruits and um, all kinds of delicious things there. Um, so, but yeah. at, at any rate, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't, you could be really cynical and say, oh, she's an amazing actress. She's faking it. I, I, I do think that she probably is just a bit overwhelmed by everything. So she's I agree. having to lie on one hand about being a traitor. Maybe she also feels bad about Angus and she feels bad that um, they've been getting rid of people and she knows that pressure is, it's probably just a combination of everything that she's thinking, oh God, another day of keeping this up mm -hmm. and people are starting to look at me. Maybe I've messed things up. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just a lot to deal with. I mean, it must be quite a stress to kind of have to wear that mask and then constantly feel like you're sort of lying all the time. And it's clearly taking a toll on her. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So Roger arrives uh, while the three gamblers still aren't around. So it gives the impression that three people have been murdered. And of course, Roger plays up to that. He says three murders <laughs> did not take place last night. Uh, he, when everyone is very relieved, uh, Roger explains the gamble vaguely. Um, and he leaves the room before telling them the outcome. So they are all left in suspense. They don't know what's happened. Then the gamblers arrive. They walk in with this tray and the silver bars covered up. And this is when we get our flashback. We find out what really happened at the end of the roulette challenge. And the ball lands on the spinny wheel conveniently on the black, not just black, but the black tea. That so the is true. Yes. Triple. So the prize fund goes up from $68,000 to $108,000 with one spin of a spinny wheel. Um, I, I, I said conveniently, um, because uh, again, I, I've spoken to a couple of the traders now and their interviews will be on later episodes. One of the traders tells me that they, they, they spun the wheel more than three times. Uh, what? so there's some trickery going on here, wow. which is a bit disappointing, but I'm not really surprised. Uh, it did seem a bit too convenient when I first watched it, so I, I had that. So this, is a, this is what they have won is the result of a dramatic edit of events. Yes, yeah. Okay. So, but for the for the players, there are celebrations all around. They're so excited. They've won all this money. Yeah. It's, it's a good time. So it turns out there's a reason why the name of the category for the awards is scripted competition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Constructed reality. Yes. Yes. So uh, we move on to the silver challenge for this episode. Uh, the cars arrive at an airfield runway and Roger appears like Tom Cruise on a motorbike. I bet Roger asked to do that. I bet he wanted to show off a bit. He looked uh, good. 
Yeah, he did, and he he's doing his own stunt. I was quite impressed. He's got this this really nice like brown leather jacket on. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, as ten out of ten for Roger's stylist for this series, I have to say. Uh, so the challenge is that they will have ten minutes to assemble a landing pattern of huge tiles on the ground to help planes land safely on the runway. Uh, some team members need to be runners who will look at the pattern, memorize it, and then run back with instructions to the others. Matt and Kate volunteer for this. Uh, I notice Matt keeps putting his hand on Kate's shoulder, which feels really weird to me. Uh, in Scotland, we'd say back half. Uh, the, the, they start the mission, the first plane lands successfully, they earn $10,000. We get to the second plane. Kate is trying to convey her instructions very calmly. Matt is just losing his shit. He's like giving the worst instructions ever. And the players are finding him very frustrating. However, I mean, at this point, I was wondering, can they see across the field what the other team is doing? Because they did kind of end up with this. They ended up with the same pattern, but... Kate was so calm about it, and Matt at this point was absolutely losing his shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, they probably, yeah, I guess they probably can see the other side. So, in some way, two having the two runners is maybe not that important because you know they they win every time. the The mission seems to go fairly easily, so yeah, it it can't be too difficult. Um, so despite Matt's insane instructions, the, the second plane lands, they win another 10k. Uh, Matt says that it's be he says because of my leadership skill uh, because of my leadership skills, we succeeded. And I, I thought, no Matt, no. Uh, <laughs> probably despite your leadership skills, they succeeded. Uh, the third yeah, plane I mean, at one point they do a cutaway to Lewis and what Lewis says is he's a loud voice. But he's got nothing to back it up with. <laughs> yeah, Lewis, I think you're right. Uh, for the third play, Nigel has to take over because Kate seems to like have hurt her foot. I know mm -hmm. Nigel's also very calm and gives very clear instructions. Matt is still wild, but again, they succeed. They win 10k, and by the end of the challenge, the prize pot is now one hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars. So after our challenge, we head back to the hotel and Mark is uh, Mark's on the case. He really wants a streak of traitor finding. They did well at the last banishment. We got Angus out. He wants to find another traitor immediately. Now, this is a fundamental moment of the episode of the season of this podcast, because this is the moment <laughs> where Mark coins the phrase trida it's 25 minutes in and also i have to apologize because i wrongly credited this to someone else when i talked about this before on an episode of the podcast i thought it was alex who first came up with this phrase so when oh. i was re-watching this episode I, I got a shock i was like oh wait a minute it's mark it's not alex uh so yes mark says that if someone is uh, on your radar as a potential traitor, they're on your trader. 
Uh, and so I just watched this like 20 times over. I filmed it. I put it on Instagram. So thank you, Mark, for helping me with the name of the podcast that I just stole from you, basically. And it's uh, all good because he's a legend. You're a legend. And, <laughs> <clears throat> um, I would say, I mean, if anybody deserved in that cast to tr- to coin that phrase, it's Mark. Because yeah. his trade-R is right on. Yeah. I mean, it's He's pretty much, I mean, he's two for two at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Very intuitive, very good at reading body language, good at figuring out what not to pay attention to, uh, what not to be distracted by. So he's, he, yeah, he's, he's very insightful. He's, he's good at this. He's good at being a faithful. Uh, well, to an extent, uh, of course, Correct. there's a there's a problem with being a good <laughs> traitor hunter, which is that the traitors then don't like you. Uh, so this may may prove a problem for Mark as we go on, but we'll see. Uh, he says that Claire then is setting off his traitor, um, and Marielle picks up on this. She's listening. She peers that Matt uh, uh, that other people are looking at Claire, and she knows that she has to use it. Um. She, you know, the edit, Marielle comes across as completely ruthless, but you know, she's, she's, she's doing what she's supposed to do. She is here to play a game and it's very easy to paint her as, as a villain, but she's a traitor and she's been given a role and it's, it is just a game. So, you know, I think she's just doing a good job of what she's supposed to do. I agree. Um, I, they, I think you're right about the edit. They, they kind of do a back and forth with her and Claire where Claire is starting to look like the wounded doe in the forest yeah. and Marielle is stalking her. And, but what's really happening is they're just, you know, sort of expressing the reality of what's happening in the house. Yeah. Right then, you know, yeah. um, and Marielle has figured out that, that if she, if everyone is about to turn towards Claire and she joins in with that, it will undoubtedly make her look like a great faithful. And that's what you need to do as a traitor. You have to blend in. You have to make people certain that you are a faithful. So she's on the right track, I guess. Um, it's, why she, it's why a certain per- person won the US version. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so Marielle is talking to Kate about Claire. And Claire walks in to the room it's awkward. So awkward. <laughs> so the word "so" with like ten O's. So awkward. Uh, because Claire clearly knows what's going on. It's so obvious, and she knows she needs to do something about it. So she she's going to have to deflect. Uh, she asks Teresa who she's voting for, <laughs> and Teresa just says "you," but that she also can't stand Matt. And so Claire starts to think, well, maybe I could use that. Can I turn people against Matt? She starts to try to encourage that. And it seems to be kind of working because Dirk is also quite suspicious of Matt too. Mm -hmm. Um, There is this really hilarious shot in the episode where various players are gathered around in one part of the hotel 
and they're out there having a chat. And Matt is just lurking ominously in the ba- in the shadows in the background. <laughs> it's creepier than any of the manufactured shots of the traitors in the middle of the night. Just Matt like hanging around in the shadows. Um, and he then starts like doing sign language or something to. I think he's doing it to Kate. He's like trying to communicate with her via gesture. It's very bizarre. Uh, and then, and then we just get a mon- a series of clips of this montage of Matt growing like group to group. He's trying to spread the word about Teresa because he's really got it in for Teresa. But Kate tells him, "Matt, you're making yourself look like a traitor. You need to pipe down." Um, and and she points out in our interview as well that he just seems manic and bizarre. Uh, what you know? What- at this point, he doesn't even. I mean, she tells him that. And then there's a pause and he's all like, okay, do you agree with me about Teresa? It's like, (laughs) no social cue given to him is sinking in whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. He's Um, just, he's so caught up. He, and and, on one hand, I'm... I'm contradicting myself because I'm I'm complimenting Marielle and I'm saying, oh, she gets it, she gets it's a game, she's playing the game. And Matt is trying to do the same thing. He's trying to play a game... He's trying to catch the traitors. I just think he's forgotten that part of the game is to be likable and to not make people want to vote you out. So that aspect of it, he's not achieving, I guess. I would say too that I think I think where he fails a little bit is he's he's not flexible. Yeah. He gets it fixed on one thing. In this case, it's Teresa. And... Um, He's not willing to envision other scenarios, and that's odd. Yeah. You know, um, because you have to, you know, to sort of play in the house, you have to sort of listen, and he's clearly not listening. Yeah. So, And you can convince yourself of anything. I think, actually, it's one of the most fascinating things about The Traitors is how how willing people are to convince themselves and others of things that are completely not true or not based on any evidence whatsoever. And this is an example of that. Yeah, he's he has convinced himself that Teresa is a traitor. And and I get and once you do that, everything then from it it sort of becomes almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like or that's not the right term. It's um you know everything everything backs up. You you interpret everything as evidence to back up a decision you've made in your mind and you're right he's he's not being very adaptable or flexible in his thinking uh which is not good that's probably not going to work no though it's good for the traders yes and good for us because it's good tv (laughs) the traders have already i mean you know at at a certain point someone says well we don't have to murder mark because he's going to kill himself yeah yeah exactly and uh yeah that's why yeah so uh, Nigel at this point is quite torn. He doesn't want to lose another traitor, but I think he also sees the tide turning against Claire. Uh, so he's got this dilemma, you know, what does he do? And he comes to the conclusion that maybe this is not a team game anymore like he's been treating it. Maybe it is just an individual game and you do what you have to do to get to the end. Um <sighs> You know, as what is he right? Is it is this an individual game rather than a team game? 
What's interesting about it to me is that it's both. Yeah. Um, that's what makes it so fascinating is that you're playing a social game with all these people. You're on a team, but at a certain point, especially as it gets further and further along, um, it's clear that it becomes a one person game for each yeah. person. Yeah. Um, and we have seen some examples of how people win or lose based on how they ride that dynamic. It's fantastic. Yeah. You mentioned the US traitors a while back. And yeah, there, there are, I think, people who tend to do well in the game in advance are the people who recognize that, like you said, it's both. It's a team game, but you're probably going to win or at least get to the end by by being selfish <laughs> and by being utterly willing to betray people when you have to. That, that is part of the game. I mean, time and again, we see shots. I think it happens in this episode, or maybe it's a flashback. Someone turns to someone else and says, can I trust you? <laughs> They're like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's the most pointless question to ask anyone in this game. Uh, totally. Yeah. So we arrive at the banishment room with Nigel feeling torn. Roger congratulates them on their previous banishment and the prize fund, which they've now added a lot more to. He encourages the quieter members to speak up tonight. And then, of course, Matt begins... And I think he did this in the last episode as well. Um, just I, I've, I've, in my notes, it's just the word stop in big capital letters. Um, he says he's going for Teresa. He is reason this and, time. And and Fiona as well. Yeah. Now yeah. somehow she's ended up on the radar because of his logic about it. Yeah. Um, and he says that Fee always looks at what Teresa's writing on her slate and then votes the same way as her. I have no idea if that's true or not, or if he is really just imagining things. Um, it doesn't look like from the way they're sitting, you could read someone else's slate very easily. So I... I... They both look absolutely aghast when he says this, like, yeah. that's from a multiverse we don't live in. <laughs> and Fee <laughs> seems like such a headstrong character anyway. I don't think she would need to look at someone else's slate to make her mind up about who she's voting for. So this doesn't really ring true with what true. we've seen of her. Why um, do we have Fee for just a moment? Can we do like a side thing? Yes. Why did she wear black gloves in the house all the time? Uh, I is that a is that a like a style thing that I see her constantly in this episode? She's got these black leather gloves on that she wears, and I'm like, that's interesting. I wonder why. Is that just her styling? I um, absolutely have not noticed this. Uh, this has passed me by. Um, maybe it's a style thing, and because she's so stylish, it, could, it didn't register with my mind as strange. I don't know. She's very stylish. I noticed it in this episode because I was watching it and I was like, well, that's interesting. Um, Maybe it's a. I've never seen anyone else in the house wear black gloves. Hmm. (laughs) Maybe it's a post COVID. It's post COVID, be hygienic, but make it fashion thing. I don't know. Maybe maybe if he's a germaphobe. (laughs) (laughs) 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, so after Matt goes on one of his rants, uh, Nigel's next. And he says, Matt, you, he, he suggests that Matt is pulling the strings and he says that he looks like a traitor by trying to whip up votes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this. So, so it gives the impression that Nigel is sticking by Claire and he's trying to veer things away from Claire. And then there's this amazing moment because amongst the chatter, and we don't often get moments like this in the edit of The Banishment Room, I don't think. Amongst the background chatter, we sort of zoom in on Claire whispering to Marielle because they sit beside one another. Claire whispers, who are you voting for? And Marielle, without looking, very deliberately not looking her in the eye, just, just says, I don't know. And Claire says, are you writing my name? And again, Marielle just says, I don't know. And she will not look at her. And it just feels so obvious what Marielle's about to do. And I, I just sort of think, I mean, it's difficult. You, you know, In that situation, it must be incredibly awkward. But I just sort of think Marielle just lie, just say no. No, I'm not voting for you. I think by hesitating and saying, I don't know, you're kind of telling her, yes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And also... I don't recall in any other banishment room on any version of this show have we ever seen a, a side chat like that. Yeah, yeah. It's quite dramatic. It's it's very dramatic, and I I love it. I love how tense it, the the tension that it creates. This, you know, there's a main discussion, and then there's a secondary discussion uh, that we suddenly focus on for a moment. Uh, it's it's great. Yeah. So Claire then speaks up because she's obviously figured out. Oh, Marielle might be about to vote for me. If she's going to vote for me, probably other people are too. She says that um, she, we talked about this a little bit before at breakfast when she got upset. She shows her emotions because, you know, she's just a genuine person. She says that she's scared. It's not for any other reason. She just doesn't want to be murdered or bad. She doesn't want to get sent home. Um, and she says that she will not change how she behaves for anything or anyone. Um, it, it, I, she's trying to deflect without explicitly lying. So I think mm-hmm. she's being honest, but she's she's being very creatively honest. <laughs> so she's not saying, I am not a traitor. I am a faithful. She's talking in a sort of roundabout way. She's being honest, but she's also trying to convince people to to stick with her um but mark picks up on it very quickly um and he says well angus 
we 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 knew that Angus was a traitor because of his behaviour. He retreated into himself, became very quiet, and he thinks that Claire is doing the same thing. He thinks Claire, I think you were chosen as a traitor on that first night, and that's why you're you're struggling and things are getting to you. Yeah, um, he's. I mean, he is. His logic at this point, Mark's logic is perfect. Yeah. He, he says, he responds to her by saying, I totally believe everything you just said, yeah. but it is no correlation to if you to whether or not you were a traitor or yeah. a faithful. Yeah. There's no logical correlation. And he is right. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's spot on. And, you know, Claire tries to reaffirm that she was just very nervous that first night. The game was just beginning. She didn't want to go home. And then... Uh, Marielle really amps it up. She jumps in on it and she joins with Matt and suggests, sorry, Mark, and suggests that Claire is carrying a burden and that's really what's happening here. I have written here, Marielle knifes Claire in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's there's also another very brief kind of um, sort of secondary conversation. We get this shot of Craig whispering to Nigel, go Matt, as in vote for Matt, which is making things difficult for Nigel because he's very close to Craig. They get on well. Mm -hmm. So now he's going to have to decide, right, do I go with my friend uh, or do I join with everyone else and vote for Claire? So the votes then start to come in. Um, I was going to say too, um, one of the most interesting things that happens because when Marielle says to Claire you know, she kind of, you know, gets kind of in her face about it. Claire's response, I thought was so interesting. She says, I am not the only one holding a burden. Yeah. Which is, I think, the closest Claire can bring herself to pointing the finger at somebody else at this point, because it's yeah. very bristly. And, you know, sometimes when people are right against the wall on the trader they start to get a little finger pointy. And that I thought was Claire's super subtle way of doing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I, I suppose in a yeah, a way she's she's kind of admitting she's almost admitting, yes, I am a traitor, but I'm not the only one. I, but I, I, whether anyone picks up on that, I'm not sure. No, I don't think you. It's it's very subtle. Yeah, but yeah. you know, we we have the twenty twenty vision. We have to watch. <laughs> exactly. So the votes come in. Um, I'll, I'll I'm going to go through everybody at this point. Uh, Nigel votes for Matt, probably encouraged by Craig, who just whispered to him, "Go, Matt," and Craig votes Matt as well. Matt obviously <laughs> votes for Teresa. <laughs> we don't even need to look at his slate. Uh, Claire votes for Matt. And then there's a shift from here on round the table. Um, Marielle, Mark, Alex, Paul. Uh, I mean, could they? They all vote for Claire. Could they make any of these shots of Paul any briefer? Um, Kate, Phoebe, Teresa. They they all vote for Claire. And when it got when it reached Teresa, we knew that if she voted for her, that would be it. Um, and the, the other votes come at Lewis and Dirk also vote for her. But even before we see Lewis and Dirk's slates, we there's a shot, you know, Claire's in tears, and it's I found it really upsetting to watch actually. And I got I know it's a game and it's a TV show, but I really felt so bad for her. 
uh, that she knew she was out and she knew that she'd been betrayed. And I, I, I felt really, really bad for her here. I did too. Um, it's very emotional. And then there is an a, amazing little shot that they put in there of Mariel as Claire is walking to the podium. Mm-hmm. There's a shot of Mariel holding her hand out with her fingers crossed. Oh. Go back and look at it. Okay. And so that everyone can see it. Okay. It's one of the smoothest trader moves. <laughs> okay, I need to rewatch. I, I need to was, find this. I, I, I actually didn't see it until I watched the three times getting ready for the episode. Yeah. And I was like, does she have, she's got her fingers crossed. <laughs> everyone can see it while Claire is walking to the podium. Yeah. Like, dang, okay. that's good gameplay. Yes, I need to review immediately. Uh, so Claire stands at the front uh, and she says, I promised I wouldn't tell a single lie. I haven't actually lied to a single one of you about anything I ever said. I, uh, and then she goes on and says, I'm an emotional person and that was probably my downfall. Not once have I actually turned around and said to any of you, I am a 100% faithful because I am a traitor. Uh, shout out to the return of the 100% faithful phrase. Uh, it's the first time I noticed it in this series. <laughs> it's crossed, it's transcended continents. Um, the reaction is, they are elated. They are screaming and jumping. They've just found a second traitor in a row. Um, I- and Claire herself is at this point... She smiles. Yeah, yeah. It's like an emotional release for her, for us. Um, it was a brilliant party speech, I must say. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, she she seems to have, the burden is gone. She is, she can sort of appreciate, oh, I think that's done now. I don't need to keep this up anymore. I did think it was maybe a little bit heartless. <laughs> you know, she's just standing there. They're all screaming around the table and she kind of just leaves while they're all partying. And I, I know they're excited, but I just wished someone had gone and like hugged her and been like, oh, Claire, don't worry. Well done. No, you did a great job at anything. There doesn't seem to be a lot of like, once somebody has said they're a traitor or faithful and they're banished, they vanish. Yeah, like, they're out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very abrupt. Um, um, Matt is uh, Matt is like gagged. Matt is just <laughs> because obviously he he's <laughs> He's like, what? It's not Teresa. I mean, it still could be Teresa, but <laughs> he, uh, he again, he was so he has such tunnel vision for Teresa. I think the thought of anyone else being a traitor just hadn't even crossed his mind. Mark says. Uh, something really important. He says, I'm having a good couple of days. Mm-hmm. And Teresa says, do not say that because you might get murdered tonight. Plot twist. Yeah. And and it's I noticed that uh, when Teresa says that, Kate gives her a bit of sort of side eye. Um, and maybe it's just shady editing. Maybe she was looking at something else. Maybe she did that some other time. Um, never trust reaction shots in reality TV. And they actually do two reaction shots, both Kate and Matt. Yeah. Look, have this kind of like, what? Yeah, why did, yeah, you why know, did she just you say You know that? It's, that's coming back in some way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we see some discussions around the hotel after the banishment. Mark is very smug and gloating 
uh, as he would be. He and he wants to go three for three, uh, and he immediately suggests Marielle is next on his radar. So he's not, you know, he's not even gone to bed and waited till the next day. He's he's so excited. He's straight on to who the next one is. Um, and and he, my, my question at this point is: Is that wise? Well, probably not. I, I think he's getting a little bit too carried away. And I, we mentioned this earlier. He's probably not thinking that you have to be careful. Yeah, you can't be too good at catching traitors because you're then up for murder. So, yeah, you and, might get on somebody's dare we say it radar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's one of the things that I've spoken about this a couple of times on the podcast that um, in the previous season when we were looking at the UK traitors and I interviewed Ivan, and Ivan is an incredible game player, game a board game fanatic, D&D player and was and left the show surprisingly early but when I spoke to Ivan he acknowledged that yeah he he knew that as a faithful you can't you really shouldn't call out who you think the traitors actually are too early on you actually he says you you have to be tactical even if you think you know who the traitors are don't say anything straight away wait a while go with the crowd um, so, so he recognized that, but Mark doesn't seem to be recognizing that. I wonder uh, if um, future season players are going to be learning these lessons from these seasons. Yeah, I definitely. I think. I think so. Um, the reason that Mark is going for Marielle is because of when Chloe, when Chloe, the clairvoyant Chloe, mentioned her name. Not that Mark believes Chloe, but that he noticed Marielle's reaction was so strange. He thought that she immediately looked very guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, you know, he's he's observant. He is perceptive. He picked up on that and he's remembered it. And he also recognizes that friendship and gameplay are two completely separate things. Uh, <laughs> cut to Marielle saying, I, I feel safe. I feel like people are not suspicious of me. <laughs> um, some nice editing there. And and then we, we get Fee as well. Fee tells Marielle, Mark is suspicious of you. And of course, that is bad news for Mark. Uh, Fee doesn't realise who she's talking to. Mark doesn't realise what he's doing. It, this could go downhill for Mark very, very quickly. Well, that's, it's really interesting too, because just before Mark has been saying, you have to keep your friendship separate from your suspicions. Yeah. And then... That is totally dramatically displayed in the scene with Fee and Marielle, yeah. where, you know, by by just blurting out what Mark has just said, um, she's kind of forgetting, oh, you know, as you say, who are you talking to? You have to kind of keep that in your head all yeah. the time yeah. in this game. Uh, so we go to Traitor's Tower for the end of the episode. Marielle is instantly laughing, which I think, yeah, she, she maybe just needs to think sometimes a little bit more carefully about how it may come across or how the other traitors may think of her. Because at least Nigel looks guilty. Nigel looks, and he didn't vote for Claire, but he at least looks, you know, upset about it. Yeah. Um, but Marielle recounts the story of Claire turning to her at the banishment table and asking, are you voting for me? 
but she's still like laughing about it. And I think, well, Marielle, you know, steady on. Uh, yeah, she's I, practically licking her lips at this point, which is yeah. like, mm, yeah. Yeah, I, and I don't think Nigel's that impressed with her reaction. Um, he explains he felt he had to vote for Matt because of Craig, um, and he said he'll just, you know, he'll worry about the consequences later. And they start to discuss who are they going to murder for tonight then. Uh, they briefly talk about Matt, but like you've said, they acknowledge he will get himself banished probably anyway, so they don't really need to waste a murder on him. Uh, they talk about Mark because obviously Mark is very influential at this point and because of, you know, Fee told Marielle that Mark was suspicious of her. They talk about Kate as well. Um, they, they say something quite interesting here. They think that she won't be banished and the only way to get her out is murder. Um, I don't really know why they think that. Uh, yeah, they, they seem to think that that's the case for both her and Mark. Um, yeah. I can see why with Mark. I'm not sure why with Kate. Yeah. Um, but once again, we're not in the play of the house, so we don't see everything. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So the episode really ends there. Oh, with... and also, of course, what Nigel says then is <laughs> we have to tell the faithfuls to keep their thoughts to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like, Fee. Know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it seems like they, they're down to either Mark or Kate for murder, and our episode ends there. It's so like haunted house. You know, I write down here, they have like, it's like a horror movie. They have, the clock is ticking, there's dripping blood, a lamp crashes over. <laughs> you have shots of Mark and Kate in their room, both being all like, ah, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Um, it's like a horror movie. Yeah. So they don't do that kind of thing in the other shows. And it's one of the reasons why I love Australia. It's so stylishly shot. Yeah. You know, like the, the film. I I like it too. It's because it it maintains the the sort of illusion of this like murder mystery as if they really are being murdered, as opposed mm -hmm. to they come into a nice room with an armchair and they open a letter that says, "Dear faithful, you have been murdered by order of the traitor." So yeah, we we miss out on actually seeing them find out they've been murdered. And we don't really get the reaction. Show, in this show, they have, they usually do the shot of them leaving in the car. Yeah, well, they do that. So you do get a little of that. They do, yeah, but they, although they do it sometimes, it's it's quite sporadic. Sometimes they show them, oh, sometimes hmm. they don't. So they, it's not that consistent. But yeah, I, I like the mad Cluedo middle of the night, you're <laughs> actually being murdered. Uh, it's so ridiculous, but, but really. Uh, good fun. Good, ridiculously dramatic. Uh, so, uh, at this point, episode six, we're we're essentially halfway through the season. Um, we have lost two traitors already. We are left with Nigel and Marielle. How, who, who, which traitor do you think is playing the best game? 
Nigel. Okay. Uh, I think Nigel is because he's thoughtful and careful. Um, and um, he, he knows when to hold his cards a little bit closer to his chest when he needs to. Yeah. And Mariel, she's good, but I think she plays things a lot more broadly. And I'm not sure how that's going to work out for her. Yeah. And we won't talk about anything that happens beyond this point, but some, 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 as we've said, some interesting twists and turns for the traitors lie ahead. Um, now, we have been playing our Trader Traitor game, and we're not quite finished yet. Before we get there, uh, sometimes I ask people about recommendations of shows that they're watching. And something that we have both watched, which is very relevant to the traitors, is Rise and Fall. So Rise and Fall is another reality competition show made by Studio Lambert, who make the traitors. Um, I'm, I'm surprised you've seen it because it's a it's a UK show and let, there's no US version as far as I know. Um, no, I mentioned I, it briefly on the podcast at some point, and I've I've never really spoken about it again. So, Stephen, have you've watched the whole series of Rise and Fall now? Is that right? That's correct. I have. Yeah, uh, I I watched it too. What did you think? Um, it didn't work for me. Um, though there were many aspects of it that I liked in the same way that I liked the traders. I got to know certain characters who I really liked. You get invested in certain amounts of it. But I felt um, probably one of the biggest problems with Rise and Fall is that it was too long. Yeah. Um, I thought it, the show went on almost twice as long as it needed to. And it lost its dramatic impact for me. So that by the time we got to the end, I was like, I, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, so that for me was one of the biggest flaws of the show. Yeah, I've talked about this a lot to people. Um, and I I watched it all the way to the end. So in some ways it was effective because I kept watching it. And I, more and more these days, won't have patience for a TV show that isn't holding my interest. So... I, I will watch two or three, maybe four episodes of something, and if I'm not enjoying it, I will just give up now. But I kept going with Rise and Fall all the way to the end. Yet I could see lots of things I didn't really like about it. I, I totally agree with what you said about the length. I, in the UK, it was released sort of an episode or two. I, you know, it was released in installments on Channel 4 as the channel that it was broadcast on here. So you yeah. had to, it wasn't just all dropped at once. You had to wait every week for a few more episodes and I I watched the first six or seven or eight episodes when it was on and then I, I went away on holiday um, I was travelling for a couple of weeks mm. and when I left I thought oh there, there are only one or two episodes left, I'll watch those when I get home I came home from my holiday and there were like another six episodes Like I couldn't believe how, how much of the show there was um, Well they, they brought they um they kept resurrecting people who had been left. Yeah. And then very started, arbitrarily. <laughs> yeah. And then they started a whole thing where you could go down or, or up 
or you could go back down again and then maybe come up again. And yet there didn't seem to be any kind of, it seemed like they were making the rules up as they were going along. Yeah, well, um, the thing is they were because I just found this out with actually within the past few days, I was listening to another podcast. It's a podcast called TV Show and Tell, um, which is a podcast all about uh, non-scripted TV and TV formats. And uh, in the the most recent episode I was listening to, they were talking about Rise and Fall, uh, and they explained that actually that it's very unusual that TV show was being broadcast while it was still in production. So. They were still filming it as the first few episodes were going out, which is wow. so unusual. Um, considering the traitors had about six six or seven months between filming and broadcast. So Rise and Fall was, was very, and I think it was rushed because of the success of the traitors. So they were just desperate to jump on that success mm -hmm. and get and the next program out on TV, thinking that this would also be another huge hit. So they were filming and quickly editing and throwing episodes out and then as they were going like judging which characters did the public like who should they bring back that's like ramona just like reappears right for, and then other other people are voted out and never show up they again return. right uh, then the big loud characters that that maybe make interesting viewing magically come back into the game uh so yeah that it all makes sense now that they really were making things up as they went along. But and the, the sort of like the, the voting toward the end where who decides oh. who ends up being the final winner was seemed so arbitrary. Like, yeah. why would they get to decide? What yeah. about all the grafters? You know, it's like. Yeah, arbitrary and complicated. I, I felt like every episode was a new set of rules. Uh, and. One of the things I noticed through this this sounds like I'm just slating the program completely now. I'll 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 come back to some positives. Um, I felt when I was watching it, I had no idea how or or when it was going to end. Like I, I felt like at no point did they explain. And here's how you win the game. So I was watching even up until like episode ten or eleven or whatever, thinking when does this end and how does this end? I had well, no idea. Yeah, I, I think. I think, you know, in the traders, you know, one of the things that's most clear about the show is that no one comes back. Yeah. One has a resurrection role. There's no there's no one who's ban been banished or murdered who gets to come back again. So you yeah. see the numbers lessening and it tells you where the end of the show is. You yeah. see the end point. But here, because there was no rule about who might come and who might go and who might return, you you couldn't tell when it was going to end. It seemed like someone behind the scenes was making that up that we couldn't see. Mm. Um, yeah. And my, my final criticism <laughs> is you, you sort of alluded to this. It, it was to do with what, you know, in the final episode, and I'm, I'm not going to spoil who wins or anything like that in case people want to watch it or are currently watching it. I felt like the, the, the premise of the show was, well, it was pretending to be about, you know, a social commentary on privilege and, and the class system. And by the end, I thought, 
Oh, this hasn't really subverted that. All this has done is said, yes, the people who were in the penthouse, one of them will win all the money, and the grafters won't get anything nice happening to them. But the contestants just seem to accept that. Like, it was actually, I suppose it was maybe quite interesting psychologically, that the grafters all seemed very excited that they weren't going to win anything, and that someone who'd been living in the lovely penthouse was going to win all the money, and they were like cheering them on. Like, I didn't know why they weren't angry about it. Like, wait, we've been down here this whole time and we're not going to win anything. Like, so I just sort of thought, oh, I thought at the end there would be some twist that actually the grafters could steal it all or. That's what I thought. Yeah. Same. The... same. And they never had the, ch- the chance. And it made me very uneasy. Yeah. Um, I I will also just say up front, some of the ways that when when certain people left the show or got voted out, it made me uneasy because it was kind of a a sad commentary on how those things go in real life anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sociologically, how do I say that any clearer? I don't know. Um, it made me the show made me very uneasy. Even though I loved a lot of the characters, uh, the people, I grew to really adore them. There was something about it that left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I you know? don't think I would watch another season if there was one, uh, unless there were fundamental changes and people were. Other people were telling me, oh, no, Matthew, it's changed. It's, it's, this is so much better than maybe I would give it another go. Um, I will say some positives. So positives, uh, again, it, I actually, uh, it was sort of um, produced very cleverly in that the episodes usually did end with great cliffhangers. So actually, I would, I would usually finish an episode, and if there was another one available, I would immediately watch the first five minutes because I was desperate to find out who would be voted out. So so it, it, it did make me excited to find out who, which way they're going to vote, who they're going to eliminate. They That's did not, that well. Yep. Yeah. It's not really unique to this show. There's a, there's a, there are a million reality competition shows where people get eliminated and it's exciting, but I, I did. So I did, it did, uh, I did feel tension. I felt a sense of suspense and I wanted to find out what would happen. Uh, and I guess I, I, I didn't really care about most of the people, but there were there were some you know a few of the players I was rooting for, and I thought they came across hey. well. Um, I found it interesting in terms of the the change in behaviour of people when people would would rise up to the penthouse and they would become part of the leaders. To the way that some people's uh, behavior seemed to change was very startling to me. Um, so that was really interesting to watch, um, particularly with, and I can't remember, there was a contestant, Was it, I think he was called Jack. Yes, Jack. He changed, and for me, a very negative way, but a very interesting way. I thought he was actually very likable when he was a grafter and he seemed quite cheeky and... He was a, a, a good team player and popular and was just having a bit of fun. And but then he, he rises to the penthouse and just seemed to become horrible. 
Like I very quickly thought, oh, you're not coming across as very pleasant at all. What is going on? So that was quite interesting. It is very interesting. And it, it seemed to me that it happened not to everyone, but to several players. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of an odd, like, you know, separate to this, I've been watching a show called Succession. Oh, yeah. So, and that show has a lot to say about does power corrupt and how does it corrupt people? And yeah. it was kind of like we were watching that happen on Rise and Fall in these interesting ways. And I think that's one of the things about the show that made me feel kind of queasy. Yeah. Was, um, wow, this is, did they know this was going to happen when they created this show? It's very interesting, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, so who knew we would have such an in-depth discussion about a show that I dismissed <laughs> and said, oh, I didn't like it. Let's talk about it for 10 minutes. Um, it's a fascinating show, no doubt about it. It is, and it's good to yeah, it's good to discuss it and get into what we liked and what we didn't like about it. It, it is interesting. So, uh, Stephen, we have been playing the Trader Traitor all this time. Did you tell me a lie at some point? I did. Okay. I also you told you a lie. A tiny lie. Sorry? A, t a tiny lie. A tiny lie. Um, or was it a tiny lie? <laughs> Are you still fooling me? I told you a lie as well. I, I have two guesses for what you lied about. So I'm going to have to make a decision. And I'm going to go for what I think might be the obvious one because I'll be annoyed if I don't. Did you lie about uh, Marielle crossing her fingers and that there's a shot that she's got her fingers crossed? I did not. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, can I... Okay. I, I, can I tell you my second guess? If I'm right, it doesn't count. It's not a win, but I'm just going to put it out there anyway. Sure. My second guess, which doesn't count, is when you were talking about Roger Moore, you said he was in The Saint, and I wondered if that was a lie. Nope. Roger okay. Moore was in The Saint. <laughs> okay, I'm completely wrong on both counts then. <laughs> um, Stephen, what did you lie about? I just threw it in when I was going on about how they had such great breakfasts. I mentioned that they had scones. <laughs> there was no shot of scones. There was a shot of some nice fruit, and you couldn't really tell. I just threw it in. Uh, just a tiny little lie. I was, see, I'm hungry, and you mentioned food, and I got distracted. So <laughs> you blindsided me with like delicious foodstuffs. Uh, so you, well done. You have betrayed me. You deceived me. Uh, uh, any idea what I lied to you about? Not a Scooby-Doo. Okay. I shall tell you, I I made up a bit of a story. It was quite early on. We were talking about the roulette table or the spinny wheel, as Mark calls it. I lied and said that I spoke to one of the traitors and they told me that they shot this more than three times and they faked it. Uh, I, I have had no such conversation. I totally invented that. Good one. I bought that <laughs> hook, line, and sinker. I was like, ooh, insider knowledge. 
Well done, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I made up because I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. <laughs> but I'm glad, feeling... I'm glad you told me it was a lie because I would have gone off and like told everyone. And... <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a feeling that if I ask one of the contestants about that, they won't tell me anyway. Although I have to say, uh, I followed Dirk on Instagram and uh, I, I did an interview with Dirk. That is true. He'll be on the podcast at some point. We had a great discussion. Um, he told me so much about what happened behind the scenes of the show, really interesting stuff. And uh, Dirk posted on his Instagram just today, I think, about how it was, it's been one one year since it must be one year since filming or something like that he said one year has passed and therefore his sort of nda or the contract that he signed has expired which ah. then which means that he can say whatever he wants about the show so actually on instagram he was asking people for questions and people were sending him little questions and he would answer them in his stories uh, so maybe if i asked him about roulette table he would tell me the answer, although he wasn't there in the room, but maybe he knows. I'm not sure. So you've interviewed Nigel, Mariel, and Dirk? Uh, yes, so far. Fantastic. Yes, and uh, lined up, I will also be speaking to Teresa uh, and Paul. Uh, and Paul seems very willing to talk to me, I think, about what's going on with his edit. Uh, so I really can't wait to ask him about it. And yeah, looks like that, I'd like to know more about that because he didn't get as much play as he should have. I no, thought. not at all. Um, there are one or two things I found out about that, but he's going to, I think, give me a lot more detail. Uh, and it looks like I will be speaking to your favorite contestant, Lewis, is very keen to come and have a chat. Uh, so the Sparky, Lewis the Sparky. Uh, so can't wait to talk to him. So it's it's going to be a a good a good season with lots of interviews. I'm so excited. Fantastic. Yes, uh, Stephen. Thank you so so much for joining me again on the podcast. We've we've had a very long conversation tonight, but it's been great. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Matthew. You're welcome. Uh, I will talk to you soon again. And I, I I think I'd say I'm putting this on the podcast now, so you have to agree to it. I think you may be coming back to discuss another episode with me at some point. I am. I'm coming back, and it's a it is a doozy. This episode. Yes, well, you you picked a good one. <laughs> uh, so until then, Stephen, I will uh, talk to you online. I will talk to you again on Zoom. Uh, take care. Bye bye. Bye. Hello, faithful trader listeners. Thanks for listening into this episode. I hope you enjoyed my deep dive with Stephen. And to quote RuPaul, I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of Stephen this season. Hmm. Let me remind you, I am lining up interviews with the final five contestants from the Traders Australia. If we can make those time zone syncing issues work. I don't want to do spoilers, so I won't say anyone's names here in case you haven't watched Beyond Episode 6 yet. If you have though, and you have a question for any of the final five players, send them to me. You can get in touch on Twitter at the TheTradarPod, or Instagram at the TheTradarPodcast, or you can email me at TheTradarPodcast at gmail.com. Episodes 7, 8 and 9 are on the way in the next couple of weeks. And they're going to be pretty special because episodes 8 and 9 
both feature interviews with each of the banished players from those episodes. I've already recorded them and you are in for such a treat. Clean up on aisle four because some major tea has been spilled. Make sure you listen in. Until then, stay faithful. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.